93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad that you have joined us this weekend. Very honored to have the president of Stevens College, the 24th president of Stevens College, Diane Lynch, in the studio with us. Uh, Diane, it's been since the end of October since you uh, joined us on the program, and it's good to have you back. Good to be here. Great. I uh, am uh, looking forward to our conversation. And uh, uh, this is one of those interviews where I, I, at the end of the interview, I say, you know, we could have gone a couple more hours. And so, but uh, you don't have that kind of time, especially around this time of year. So true. Uh, for our listeners who may are maybe tuning in for the first time or, or uh, don't remember, tell folks a little bit about your background, how you got to Stevens College. Well, I came to Stevens College. This is my 14th year, the beginning of my 14th semester, fall yeah. semester. Wow. Yay. Uh, but I came here from New York, upstate New York. I was mm-hmm. at Ithaca College. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Berkeley in UC uh, for a very short period of time before that. And before that, I was at a small private uh, liberal arts college in in Burlington, Vermont, called yeah. St. Michael's. Yeah. I know that we've talked about this before, but you, you, you've had some experience in the magazine industry. At what point of your career did you do all that? Well, I, I was a journalist. I, yeah. I studied journalism, and, and I was a journalist coming out of college, and I was a newspaper reporter, and then I was a magazine editor, and then I went back to graduate school um, to to study to mm-hmm. so I could teach, uh, but I always kept one foot in the industry. So yeah. I was very involved in the evolution of online news. Mm. I was the founding executive director of the Online News Association. Wow! Uh, wrote for ABC News, wrote yeah. for the Christian Science Monitor. Did a lot of that work while I also was teaching. So I had yeah. foot in both worlds yeah. most of my career until I got to Stevens, and both my feet are firmly <laughs> grounded at Stevens. Yeah, I get it. Um, that transition to online news was something that uh, we really publishers really resisted for the law lo- and editors uh, for the longest time. Um, what give me an idea what what year you were talking about online news because uh, that was probably sounds like it might have been pretty early in in the discussion. Oh, it was very early in the discussion. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I found myself in a position of taking on the strategic planning for this group of online editors mm-hmm. from all the major news organizations, New York yeah. Times, Washington Post. They all got together uh, at the at the I- invitation of a guy um, at the Wall Street Journal, uh, for Rich Jaroflowski, uh, to talk about what are we doing? Like, yeah. wh- what's the business model here? What's the value proposition to this? It's free. Yeah. And spent a lot of time talking about that, but also talking about the implications of online news, social media for the democracy mm-hmm. and for what mm-hmm. truth was going to mean and yeah. the free marketplace of ideas. Yeah. I think so many of the things we imagined or worried about at the time have turned out yeah. to, be, yeah. to be a little bit uh, accurate in terms of the outcomes or what's yeah. happening. Uh, back in the uh, 1990s, I had an opportunity to participate in something called News 2000 uh, with oh, the yes. Gannett Company. Yes. And uh, Gannett at that time was the largest newspaper chain in the world. Now, with the you know the acquisition by Gatehouse, I guess they're back again, being the largest newspaper chain in the world. But uh, but I remember sitting in that room of executives and and 
uh, people felt like we were just going through the motions because this was never going to happen anyway, you know. And so, <laughs> but as you've witnessed the evolution, and this is not what you're here to talk about, but oh, but, I can talk but, about, yeah, this. yeah <laughs> sure. But as you witness the evolution of of that, is there anything about you know where we were 20 years ago versus where we are today that has surprised you? Yes and no. I think mm-hmm. none of it surprised me in terms of, in some ways, my best and worst fear you know my best hopes and worst fears yeah and some of it has surprised me in this in in some ways in terms of the rapidity with which it's occurred mm-hmm. uh, i just happened to have dinner last night with a woman who also was in the online news association early on and we mm-hmm. had this passionate conversation about the future of journalism what a journalism school is and should be and mm-hmm. should do yeah uh, and how we can prepare students journalism students in particular, for what's coming next, because mm-hmm. what's coming next is artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. virtual reality, augmented reality, all of this sort of immersive experiences that are going to be not about text, mm-hmm. but about experience mm. and about how do you process massive databases, massive bodies of information in real time without without direct human intervention. Yeah. Because by the time the kids who come into the school this fall graduate, let's just say in six years, although yeah. at Stevens it's four <laughs> or three, but let's just say six years, yeah. the world is going to have changed dramatically again. Mm-hmm. So... It's a very different environment for what journalism means. Yeah. And, and it's, it's expensive to be a pioneer, that's for sure. It's called bleeding edge. Yeah. Yeah, it really <laughs> yeah. is. So, yeah. anyway, it's well, good. I, I thanks for uh, letting me uh, uh, take you down that path. Uh, so, let's talk about the class of 2026. Those are the women that are arriving on campus uh, in the next couple of weeks. When's the first day of school? Starts next week, but they move in, they, they arrive tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Okay, yeah. very good. So, uh, tell me about the class of 2026. What's it look like? You know, for one thing, this year we are launching our uh, Conservatory for the Performing Arts, which mm-hmm. is co-ed. Mm-hmm. So we now have two academic units on our campus, the Women's College, of course, yep. uh, and a, and a uh, co-educational conservatory. Mm-hmm. And so there will be men on our campus and in our residence halls, relatively small numbers, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work through that with our, our students in our Women's College who are are fine with it as long as the men are not in their classes. That's the that's the oh, idea of a women's college is the academic yeah. environment yeah. is focused entirely on their mm-hmm. ambitions, goals, dreams, the way they learn, intellect, the way they learn. Yeah. Um, and how and how they learn without distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But but our conservatory will have men in the classroom and in the residence halls. So it's a different kind of model. Uh, so what I now I have to be inclusive when we talk about when the women <laughs> arrive and the men arrive. Yeah. Uh, the, they come out of COVID. They're still coming out of mm-hmm. COVID, and that's true at every institution around mm-hmm. the country. Is these are students who spent the last couple of years of their high school career. They've, they've you know, they went back last year, but they're mm-hmm. still catching up. Yeah. Just socially, academically, I, they've just had such a different experience. Mm-hmm. And so for us, they come to us because we are such a community. Mm-hmm. They have such an opportunity to be um, their best selves, to become their best selves. And everybody knows every, you know, we're the place where everybody knows your name. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of that environment where they've been home, where their lives were so disrupted, so much of their social development and experience has been so either truncated or just disrupted in a way that is, has pretty significant impacts over time. They look for a place like Stevens where, again, cross the street, don't you worry, the tigers are right there yeah. and they go downtown and they know where the frats are. Yeah. But at home, it's a, it's a, a place where they can exhale, feel as though they're they're not just safe, and I don't, but I mean just mm-hmm. accepted and 
at home. Yeah. And more and more of them coming out of COVID, it's been our experience, need that. Mm-hmm. We're also someplace that is incredibly committed to ensuring academic success, which all institutions are, but mm-hmm. uh, at our scale. And so, so many of them are coming into school, into colleges, without the, frankly, mostly it's the writing, communication, and sort of analytics, math skills mm-hmm. that we had seen in the past. They all have really good grades. Yeah. Our students come in, you know, average grade point is about a 3.6. Wow. Yeah, we have really good students. Yeah. Uh, but but even our really good students, uh, are and test scores are optional, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so essays optional, test scores optional. Yeah. Different group of kids coming into college. So it's we're ready for it and we're staffed for it. And we yeah. have an amazing tutoring center and, uh, you know, mental health counseling, free unlimited mental health counseling mm-hmm. for students who struggle. Um but it's it's a challenge, and anybody who thinks that that COVID's impact is over hasn't talked to an eighteen year old. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, the no longer requiring uh, entrance exams. Uh, how has that changed that uh, the way that you have to prepare for these students? Well, as I said, you know, there we don't have them now. I don't think we'll ever go back to having mm-hmm. them, and I don't just mean Stevens. I think higher. Were education. they important? They're important to institutions at scale. So mm-hmm. what they do is you set a metric or a bar that a student has to get over. It's a, it's a filter. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Yeah. And so, so it's a, it's an efficiency, I would mm-hmm. say. There's a lot of problems with those tests. Those mm-hmm. tests are very biased in yeah. terms of the way they uh, anticipate and expect students to understand based on experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been an issue. Um, we are small enough and, and we are individualized enough in terms of that scale that we've always looked at, truly looked at the whole portfolio. Mm-hmm. Because some kids don't test well. They just don't. Yeah. And those are some of the kids that do best at Stevens. But, but it sounds like you have a bit of a safety net with the mental health counseling and and the uh, just the, the guidance that uh, you provide for the freshman class. So so you're really prepared. Are you able to sort of identify the kids who might be having some issues adjusting? Oh, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. We have a whole system in place. Yeah. We have a... a um, it's a it's we used to call it early alert and the faculty didn't like that so it's uh support for success Mm. and it's just an identifying Mm. set of of observations and metrics that says okay this student you know this student first six weeks came every you know was in class every day was really engaged paid a lot of attention was was very involved and then all of a sudden the student is like missing class or coming in late or doesn't seem to be so involved um they they actually will reach out to a group a team of really well-trained uh faculty and counselors um, to just say, you know, there's a heads up on this kid. Do we know anyone who's close to her or, mm. or him? Do we know anybody who has a relationship? They can just check in yeah. because by the time you, we do midterm grades, but very often by the time you get to midterm grades and a student is not doing well on those yeah. assessments, they're already Might be too late. really struggling. Yeah. Right. It's a yeah. retention, um, but it's a student success strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, when we look at, uh, help me understand the ratio right now between online and on campus uh, for Stevens College. Well, we are very much committed to in-seat, in, mm-hmm. in-seat learning. Yeah. And uh, over COVID, you know, during COVID, like everybody else, we did dual teaching and, and learning. So students had the choice of whether they were going to attend class in person mm-hmm. or from the residence hall or yeah. from home or yeah. from wherever. Um, but we really quickly went back to pretty mm-hmm. much all in-seat for most of our programs. 
a long time ago, Stevens made the decision that we were going to not just learn but do. Mm-hmm. And so all of our programs, every single one of our programs, includes some pretty significant level of applied learning. Mm-hmm. And applied learning in equestrian and theater yeah. and health sciences. It's a trade school. They record it. It's a trade school in terms of, <laughs> of in terms of professional preparation. Right. <laughs> and it's a intellectual, engaged, there incredibly <laughs> academically grounded yeah. liberal arts school. Yeah. Uh, so but they get the employer, best of both. Yeah. As an employer, that's what I want. No, you know, I want these kids coming in with hands-on experience. That uh, Of course you yeah, do. And so, you want them to be able to pro- solve yeah. problems and communicate and do yeah. all those soft skill things. And yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. So again, so many of our classes are... are disciplines aren't really suited to online learning mm-hmm. our graduate programs we have a um an mfa which is a hybrid program so they do 10 days in la at the jim henson studios mm. and then the rest of the of the program is online wow. we have a health information administration undergraduate degree for adult learners that's entirely online um, and again we have some we offer some a small number of online classes for students for their convenience mm-hmm. they've come to appreciate that and and want that but it's about 80 to 85 percent of our classes are taught in seat wow that's that's fascinating that's great you know um i want to talk a little bit about the the student experience the on-campus experience and and i know that that has become you know a lot of these kids as you mentioned earlier um they missed out on some of the rites of passage on some of the the really cool things about being a upperclassman in high school and you know a lot of these folks miss their proms they miss their football games and and all those things that are just part of that experience you know as as a teenager as as someone is going through the rites of passage uh, towards adulthood so what are you doing on campus that really sort of enhances that experience well again to go back to our earlier conversation we are so fortunate and blessed to be situated where we are which mm-hmm. is surrounded by mizzou yeah you're so downtown columbia we are downtown yeah and that the blessings and the curses of right. that i get it um uh, as somebody who lives there but mm-hmm. but in some ways <laughs> the social part of this experience sort of takes care of itself that you know we we don't have to be providing nor should we be providing opportunities for engagement in a college town, yeah. our students go to the Tigers games. They go downtown. They mm-hmm. they have lots and lots of choices and options. They they uh, have the option of joining the rec center at Mizzou for cool. the same cost that the that Mizzou students pay. Wow. So they have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. They can use the library. So they have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we don't worry too much about the social life of a college student as we as you certainly Fred right. might think about it <laughs> absolutely uh, but but we do a lot more of what I consider what we think of as cohort teaching and learning and that is to say that we Id- help students identify other students who have similar and like interests so for example we just renovated completely inside out uh, inside out one of our residence halls Prunty uh, and have made it a, a teaching and learning community uh, for eSports Oh, students who yeah. do esports. We have yeah. an esports business program, mm-hmm. um, and we have we have an esports team. And it's funny because you know the, it's a competitive team that the coach lives in the residence hall yeah. with them, and all the students on campus because this residence hall is beautiful and newly renovated. All of a sudden, are, are gamers. Like mm-hmm. I game, I'll live, I'll do that. <laughs> but that's the strategy: is to bring people together yeah. in ways and create community for them uh, early on, uh, so that they then 
have those opportunities for that kind of close contact that they may have missed in high school. Yeah, that's the voice of Diane Lynch, the uh, president of Stevens College. When we come back from this break, we'll talk more about what's happening at Stevens and specific programs that have been in the news. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. This is the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host. We are visiting with Diane Lynch, the president of Stevens College. And uh, lots of exciting things happening on campus. And and, uh, let me ask you about the dorm that you just uh, renovated inside and out. Um, Some of these kids, uh, I would guess, are probably having roommates for the first time in their lives when they move onto campus. And so... uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, there were three or four of us in a bedroom, you know, and, and, uh, and now and my kids, you know, who are 22 and 25 have never, ever had to share a bedroom. Um, so how do you adjust that living experience? Like, what did you do specifically with this new dorm you just renovated? So one of the things about Stevens is that the, the footprint of our dorms are actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. We have, um, traditionally they've been actually huge compared to, you know, I have four children who went to college, and yeah. I would walk in a dorm and think, this is like a shoebox. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that. The other thing is, is that we, we have the, we're fortunate enough to have the capacity uh, to allow those who want a private room, a single room, to have one. Okay. And, it ter- and in fact, because so many of our students studied off campus during COVID, mm-hmm. we insisted that every student have a single room. Oh, we didn't okay. charge them for it. Yeah. They, just for yeah. health purposes. Yeah. And so a lot of them have gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But they do come, and they don't want a roommate, or they don't want to uh, share. God heaven, they don't want to share a bathroom. Yeah, never have. Yeah, uh, and very often it's their parents who say, "No, no, no, no. You need to learn to get along. You <laughs> need right. to, you know, you need to learn to do this." Yeah, <laughs> and it turns out, I mean, it's just like anything. I always talk about college roommates uh, as you know, you're walking down this, you know, Fifth Avenue in New York City, and you see somebody, and you're like, come here, you, we're going to live in a shoebox yeah. together, and it's going to be great, <laughs> right. right, in yeah. terms of the matching, and like, I'm clean, yeah. really, so, so we have our share of, you know, it doesn't work, but, but we also have our share of lifelong learners, yeah. and lifelong friendships, and, yeah. you know, so, it's not that different, but again, cohort living helps, there's a certain kind of kid who plays esports, yep. those kids See each other, get each other. Yep. They they get along. Stay together. awake till four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. We also have pet dorms, oh, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you come in with a pet, and yeah. as soon as you you bring your dog, your cat, your rabbit, your whatever, mm-hmm. you have a community of pet lovers. Yeah. And so they also have reason to get along. Yeah. You know, you just got to give them a reason. Yeah. And then we have our others who switch. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. They learn. I get it. It's all learning. Yeah. I don't blame them. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of the programs that uh, you've got going. Uh, there seems to be a lot of momentum building behind this BSN, this Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Yes. Uh, tell us about that program. Give us, give us an update. So it's a partnership. It's a jointly owned nursing program mm-hmm. uh, with Boone Hospital. And uh, it's an opportunity for our students to be in the hospital literally from go, from mm-hmm. the very first semester. Uh, they in the partnership uh boone invested in a simulation lab and classrooms we have the priority use of of those facilities because of the partnership but they're also available to other nursing programs which Mm -hmm. is really important to know they don't just belong you know for our use or for stevens Mm -hmm. but we do have priority access uh 
Boone Hospital needs nurses. All hospitals need nurses. The, d- the demand is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And so, and we're in a position to be able to really provide the best possible preparation. Mm-hmm. Our program is different in that it is um, direct admit, which means that you don't apply to be a pre-nurse in a pre-nursing program the way oh. other ins- programs yeah. in the area, most programs do. Right. You have to apply as a pre-nursing student, mm-hmm. and then usually a junior year, you accept it into nursing or not. Our program admits you... You have to have a certain kind of uh, experience in the classroom. You have to have, have earned certain kinds of credits and certain, mm-hmm. you know, certain sciences and just performed at a certain level of quality. But, but we accept you as a first-year student. And the other thing about the program that's different is that it's a three-year year-round program. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really does bring students in, allow them to focus, be nursing students, be in the hospital. They wear into you know, they have they have. Uh, um, Boone says Boone Stevens nursing. Oh, yeah. I mean, so they're branded as that. Uh, they get to be a part of the Boone community mm-hmm. um, from go. And and it was a little bit of a slow start, to be honest, because we launched it. We got it approved. The nursing board approved it in the spring um, of 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. And we started it in, in August. So we had a very small cohort and it was rushed isn't correct, but it was it yeah. wasn't. Uh, is you didn't really have a pace yet a rhythm yeah yeah thank you yeah but the second year has been really you know the first year is great too but the second mm-hmm. year is is um, very strong the students are really engaged they love being at Boone they love being in the hospital they love their profession mm-hmm. uh, we're retaining all of them and so but the first group will graduate this year what we're doing is stepping up just like in our PA program Fred mm-hmm. we're stepping up to help address the health care needs in our community mm-hmm. we're making sure along with columbia college and mizzou this is a you know this is all of us together and yeah. mac in terms of of um, two-year degrees that we're helping to contribute to what is a desperate need for qualified health care professionals our pa program just got fully accredited after five, five years it's a long process mm. uh, we have a hundred percent placement rate it's mm. incredibly competitive to get into the program because there's such a demand yeah. for pas and the same is true of nursing and you can make a great living uh oh. entry level with both of those jobs oh yes yeah. you can yeah oh yes you pretty can. impressive so <laughs> yeah. you know the idea of starting as a cna or an or whatever it's just it's not uh um there there is good money uh the day you start your job yeah of course there is there's a hundred percent placement rate the demand is enormous and it's an opportunity again for a life's work it's such a rewarding both of those those professions are so rewarding if you're the kind of person who can do that work and we have found that there are so many uh, young women in our program because our our nursing program is all women but there's so many young people who came out of covid wanting to do that work mm-hmm. you, you almost would have thought perhaps it would have scared them away yeah, right yeah. all of that yeah. media coverage but no they are really deeply dedicated to that work and to being uh health providers and caregivers yeah another program that i think eagle listeners will be specifically interested in is this uh program called mission promises kept yes and uh you have hired someone that i think is very well respected in the community yes. that did great work over at true north yes. elizabeth herrera uh tell us about that program so stevens college is a is a our mission is to support and provide opportunities to women to complete their college degrees. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we do and to right. become their best selves in the world. And since 2013, I have been working toward creating a program for women veterans. I became very familiar with uh, the situation and the, and the research and data that shows that women veterans have a very different experience out in the world 
post service than male veterans do. There's just a whole series of challenges that they they experience. Not that men don't, but particular to women. Uh, the VA has been it's better now, but it mm-hmm. has been less than supportive and less than inviting or engaging of its women veterans. Women veterans talk about going into the VA hospital and being asked, Are, "Is your husband a veteran?" Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just so many yeah. anecdotal uh, sort of experiences, but also research and evidence that suggests that it has not, we have not done a good job. That's a problem because, mm-hmm. well, it's a problem, but one of the other reasons it's a problem is because right now about 60%, 60 to 63% of high school graduates are girls, and mm. about 60% of college graduates are women. Mm-hmm. And so if, if the United States service it doesn't figure out how to serve, you know, engage, support, and honor women veterans we're going to have a real problem in this mm-hmm. country because that's who's eligible uh, to serve yeah. so we thought about it we thought about what are our strengths what do we do and what might we be able to do to help women overcome the barriers to their success and so we created a program which is a residence hall for women veterans and their children because so many of them are, oh. are single parents wow and that provides wraparound services. So we have a full-time, Elizabeth is our director, but we will have other staff as the program grows, to provide women with their the support they need. Yeah. Whether that's childcare, whether they need help, their car won't start, whether they need a ride downtown. We're, we have talked, we're talking with the, the, um, the legal uh, clinic at mm-hmm. Mizzou, which does veteran pro bono work to partner it's a partnership we're working with the va this is not us it's a community partnership and we hired elizabeth because if anybody can get it done it's elizabeth yeah so is this a homegrown program yes oh oh, wow so this was uh, was this inspired by another model somewhere else no we're going to be the model that's that's the whole idea is that we're going to be the model for other institutions that want to serve veterans wow that's amazing. Oh, that's that's kind of cool. I, I did not know that. So uh, that's a, been a well kept secret. So uh, I guess uh, well, it maybe won't after be this anymore. Program, now, that's right. <laughs> now and that Elizabeth is it. on it. Yeah. Don't say that. Yeah. She'll be, no, she's everywhere about <laughs> yeah, this program. She, yeah, that's great. Um, all right. I want to also ask you about uh, it, the School of Health Sciences. What does that encompass? So, as you would expect, the PA program, the nursing program, we have integrated human biology, which is a program that students may want to go into nursing or, um, or vet school or or med school. So we do. A, we have a very strong research program. Um, it also includes our equestrian program, equestrian science program. Oh. And the, and part of the reason for that is that so many of our students are interested in vet school. Yeah. Um, and I will. I'm proud to say that all of the students this past May who applied to vet school got in. Oh. Which is the most competitive school there is. Yeah. And part of that is that they have access to large animals. Yeah. So we've integrated that into yeah. their experience. And this is a vet school at the University of Missouri. Well, one of them was going to Mizzou, but other oh, okay. schools, they were yeah. other, sc- oh, okay. other, other schools. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. All right. So, well, that's that's kind of cool. That I did not know about that connection there. So, and PA, uh, when we say PA, we're talking about physician's assistant. Yes. And that is typically very, very popular in orthopedics. You know, as Columbia has 65 orthopedic surgeons, uh, uh, but that PA plays a very integral role right there in surgery next to that physician. Yes. Uh, sort of acting as a liaison between, you know, the, the implant or device and and uh, really has, plays a vital role in that whole process. PAs play a vital role in every healthcare institution. Yeah, very, very good. All right. Um, now, the uh, probably better known from Stevens College is this MFA program. The It's a Master of Fine Arts. It's not a Missouri Farmers Association. <laughs> uh, Master nope. of Fine Arts. Um, what? Tell us a little bit about that program. There seems to be, I think what's kind of neat, what I've observed over the years is that you have a lot of your alums 
who have done very well in the profession and they're coming back to sort of give back. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, first, the MFA is a, as you say, it's a screen and script writing uh, MFA program. It's mm-hmm. hybrid, meaning that it's students um, study online most of the time and then and 10 days of every semester they go out to LA because you have to be in the industry and you have mm-hmm. to be connected yep. uh, and and our program is at the Jim Henson Studios mm-hmm. so one of my favorite stories is our students were out in the courtyard and they had lunch sat down to have lunch with somebody in the courtyard and it was Paul McCartney oh <laughs> I thought you were going to say Kermit the Frog. Oh well, Kermit's out there too. No, uh, but Paul McCartney. Paul wow. McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it is very much still an active studio, and there's a lot going on. But our program has been uh, in place for five years, and now our our students are out in the world and being very successful and in writing rooms and working on shows. Um, and and as you say, reaching back and, and reaching out. And so we are in the process. We have an undergraduate film program, production program, mm-hmm. and so we're in the process right now of working with a couple of our alum to create a network for our undergraduate students to start to participate in what we're doing in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a, it takes a village, and there's no more competitive industry on the planet yeah. than that industry, and we're mm-hmm. very small, but our commitment to increasing in, in the impact of women's voices, and that means women of of all races, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, all sexual orientations, women writ large mm-hmm. in all aspects, uh, is, is just really timely out in, in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. So our graduates are... Now, it's not all... I will say, we do have some male students, but the mission of the program is that, is mm-hmm. about that women's voice. And it's, it's just so timely. So our, our graduates are having lots of opportunity. And again, when they succeed, we succeed. Mm-hmm. And is it still uh, incredibly difficult to get into that industry? I mean, it seems like you spend a lot of time waiting tables and... Uh, other things. Is Not that- when you graduate from our program. Okay, very good. <laughs> Actually, the truth is is that there's a, there's so much more opportunity because of streaming. It mm. used to be, you know, there's oh, so yeah. much entertainment, yeah. but there's yeah. so many channels, there's so much going on yeah. that it's not as difficult as it used to be. It's a network. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to know people, you know, you just do. Uh, but I just got back from an event at our MFA program in L.A. two weeks ago, and there were vice presidents from some of the major uh, streaming industries were there out sort of recruiting talking to people so we've we've arrived in terms of the universe of what that means and what that looks like yeah yeah that's pretty pretty fascinating we, we are visiting with uh, diane lynch who is the president of stevens college and when we come back uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what's happening on the campus but we're also going to dive a little deeper into some of the community issues uh, dr lynch of course uh, serves on the board at boone hospital or boone health as they call it these days and we'll talk about uh, that relationship uh, beyond the nursing program and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are happening in public education right here in our community all of that and more coming up on the ceo roundtable i'm Fred Perry. We're visiting with Diane Lynch. This is the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. Everybody doing the mess around. Ah, everybody was juice. You can bet your soul. They did the boogie boogie with a study roll. They mess around. They're doing the mess around. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Diane Lynch, the president of Stevens College. Lots of exciting things happening on the Stevens College campus. You and I talked about this last October, but this was that time of year 
where the business community, we would all sort of hold our breath waiting to hear what the enrollment numbers were at Stevens College. And, <laughs> and I think that, um, what has evolved, what is, what has sort of changed over the years is that, um, you know, it's, it's really not, as much about the quantity as it is the quality. And so, you know, you have developed these super niches, yes, you know what I mean? Indeed. And you, you're able, you're, you're like being really, really good uh, at a very narrow niche of the industry. And uh, intentional. Yeah. And that's making a big difference. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? yeah. You can't be the best at everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, we were out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado last week. And, and of course, Stevens College is famous in Steamboat Springs because of Perry Mansfield. But, yes. but, you know, it's funny when you, people say, where are you from? Uh, we say Columbia, Missouri, and, you know, nine times out of ten, they say, oh, yeah, Stevens College. You know what I mean? And, and it's sort of like, I know Moon Choi wouldn't like that. You know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> well, that's okay, because in all the other cities, yeah. mostly they say Missouri. So it's all yeah. right. We get our niche. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, but anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's, Stevens has been very successful at maintaining its national reputation. And that's something that, uh, uh, I know a lot of famous people have sent their kids to Stevens College. So over the years, but, um, the uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with Boone Health. Uh, you are on their board, uh, and uh, I, I know it's been a challenging time uh, for all hospitals. I got a news report yesterday that Kaiser Permanente had uh, uh, is losing like a uh, hundred and thirty billion dollars or something like oh, that. Nice. You know, and and Mayo Clinic lost five hundred million in, in their second quarter, um, and it, it's just it's tough. It's tough here locally also, but. Um, Tell me why it's important for you to be involved with Boone Hospital as the president of Stevens College. Well, I try to be involved in the community to the extent that I can. And I've served on many boards in the community, mm-hmm. United Way. I was on the board of Providence Bank. Uh, and I try to identify areas where I can bring some something of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, of course, and I appreciate that it's not just about this, but but we had the relationship with Boone with the mm-hmm. nursing program. Um, Jim Sinek, the former CEO of the hospital, uh, who is retired, but um, was a member of my board of trustees. Mm-hmm. So I had some really close connections. We're also across the street, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually outsource our health care, student health care, to Boone. Our students get free health care. We pay for it, yeah. not free yeah. to Boone, <laughs> but uh, we provide urgent care free of charge to our students so wow. uh, we have an ongoing set of relationships with with boone health mm-hmm. um, and i really believe in boone i know mm-hmm. that's the slogan but yeah. the fact of the matter is is that mizzou is a great hospital mizzou got amazing specializations does a great job not that but yeah. i really believe i believe in competition mm-hmm. i believe that healthcare is 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 an industry as well as a service mm-hmm. and a mission yeah and I do believe that we get better care when we have multiple choices of different kinds of care. Mm-hmm. And so when they invited me to be a citizen member, a community member of mm-hmm. the board, uh, I was happy to serve and explained immediately that I knew very little about health care. Right. Yeah. Um, and so That's I have probably learned, a good thing right now. <laughs> well, you know what? I ask. I used to be a journalist. Right. So I do tend to be the person who raises my hand, as yeah. you could imagine, yeah. and ask questions. Uh I've been so impressed by the degree to which uh, the mission of the hospital and that care, Mm -hmm. that commitment to patient care, is first and foremost front and center in every conversation I have. And I'm sure that's true of every hospital, but just like Stevens, in terms of how we are different in some ways from Mizzou, we both have our strengths. Mm -hmm. I think Boone is different and is distinctive in what it does best from 
University Hospital. I yeah. just think that's a fact, and I'm eager to do whatever I can to be supportive of it. It's been, uh, you'll be able to write a book about healthcare when you're done with all this, because <laughs> uh, it is, um, it, you know, it has been so challenging untangling from BJC Healthcare. And, uh, you know, that was a 33-year re- relationship. And I don't think that uh, anybody could have ever estimated how much work it was going to be and the challenges you would face untangling from a system like that. I truly believe that in the end, this is the best thing for Boone Hospital. In and in, in in the long run, it's it's uh, uh, I mean, just right off the top, we're not sending thirty five million dollar checks to St. Louis anymore. They're, that money's staying in this community. But also, I just sort of feel like you know, uh, Boone is a great reputation with very strong bones and yes. uh, great staff and great doctors. Yes. And uh, but you know. I tell you what, getting through the electronic medical records and that kind of technology, ooh, that is painful. Well, I would tell you, Fred, um, I haven't actually experienced that, but I would say that I do know, and it was prior to my involvement, mm-hmm. but they did spend a significant amount of time and investment mm-hmm. uh, in, in anticipating and working through those things in advance. Um, I think transition and ch- disruption and change uh, is always difficult. I don't think, and and it's to scale, mm-hmm. and so the more complicated the systems and the more complicated the processes, the more complicated the disruption. Yeah. But I will say that as a patient at Boone and as somebody who's always gotten yeah. my health care there, yeah. I don't, you I don't think, notice it. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I sort of sit at those discussions, you know, in the board meeting, and I hear that there's this challenge or that challenge, but again, my gosh, the the level of care but also the level of analysis and analytics and steps that need to be taken and the tracking of the ta- I mean I take some of that home to my own campus and say okay folks yeah. we're going to do some of this yeah. I'm on the compliance committee and I'm telling you it is astonishing to me the scale at which they address even the smallest issue or concern and so but when I go to the doctor I pay attention yep. and I I would never have any idea that there was a difference mm-hmm. I do sometimes notice it's it's it had been it's not so much now but there was a little bit of a, a glitch in getting an appointment and I mentioned that to a friend of mine who doesn't get care from Boone and she was like oh my god it happens everywhere everybody's having that problem yeah. so they're having I mean I think everybody's having um, post COVID yeah. adjustments today. yeah it's tough it really is so well uh, we're uh, we're fortunate to have a choice in uh, in this area in this community and so that that makes a big deal um i want to talk about uh there's a whole variety of things that you and i talked about last october that i kind of want to revisit um and i'm going to jump down the list uh, i want to talk a little bit about from an economic development perspective and and again uh this is something that's been on your radar for a long time uh you know, you've been active in, in a lot of things in the community, and so you really know what attracts people to Columbia, or what attracts businesses to Columbia. Um, but one of the things you and I have talked about is this quality of place, and and uh, how do we keep young people? Uh, how do we convince young people after they finish their college degree, or shortly after they finish their college degree, to to come back to Columbia? Um, because we we need those people uh for they're very vital to our workforce and and other things in the community to really just keep us young and and vibrant uh but um what 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 do we need to be doing to make our our community more attractive you know we've had this conversation chambers had this conversation yep. everybody's had this conversation and so has every community but i would say that that part of our strategy with boone around around this partnership mm-hmm. very intentional mm-hmm. Investment on both sides of the partnership 
meeting the needs of the college in terms of a, a high demand, high quality program, meeting the needs of a local industry in terms of their highest need in terms of, of employment, but also the strategy to bring those students into that environment right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Students are, I mean, they're just as much as human beings as you are and I are and yeah. want to have a home and yeah. want to feel, you know, and so, and a, and a clear pathway to a job, which is what their parents want. And so to the extent that the community can get more intentional about creating those kinds of programs with every institution of higher education in our community mm-hmm. really doing those partnerships not just well we're going to start this program for training for x because you need the training for x yeah because everybody needs the training for x and those kids are not necessarily committed or engaged right and so there's there's no easy answer but i really do believe when i listen to our students talking about boone i don't know what they will end up doing but when i talk to them it's clearly that there's a sort of assumption that they're going to stay at Boone. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, yeah. that's what matters. It's yeah. human contact. It's connection. So in, in, incorporating these folks into the uh, environment and the cultures at Veterans United, at Equipment yes. Share, yes. at some of these other startups uh, that really focus on culture yes. uh, for young people yes. is, is one way to sort of... Uh, indoctrinate and get these folks it's to say it's a competitive advantage yeah yeah interesting uh do you feel like we're putting enough energy into that effort right now you know it's so difficult to answer that fred right now because the the market is so skewed mm-hmm. there's so unemployment is so low mm-hmm. there is such incredible competition yep. for employees uh at every level that it's hard to discern whether the fact that there's such a shortage means we're not doing enough in one particular area. I do think that when we sat down, when I went to Boone and sort of said to Jim Sinek, we should start a nursing program, This that was very much a part of my strategy around it, which mm-hmm. is why Boone was interested. Yeah. So we need to do everything we can do. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say, and I appreciate the youth vote, mm-hmm. but I do think that there's a huge opportunity for upskilling and training, particularly women who became out of the, the workforce during COVID, had to take care of the kids, yep. had to, and are going to struggle to get back in at the mm. level of... Where they uh, were. And better yeah. so be financially. So yeah. there's a whole window of opportunity there that we are really looking at around upskilling those in our community who bring skills may not be where they need to be, but could be brought there in combination and partnership with industry. Yeah. You and I had a good laugh off the air uh, when uh, we I was talking about a, a, a 22-year-old that is part of my life who said, uh, when I asked him what's he, what he wants to do with the rest of his life, he said, you know, I just want to make the world a better place. I want to help people. And you quickly told me, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to repeat this or not, but that you know 500 women that are exact same way, you know? And and so how do you, so there's a lot of CEOs listening to this program, the people that are hiring managers right. and so forth. It is, if you don't know it yet, uh, making the world a better place is something that is very important to today's graduates. Indeed. So what do you do? What does that look like? I mean, well, 
So making the world a better, I want to make the world a better place. Fred, do you want to make the world a better Absolutely, place? Absolutely, but it's, uh, it, I, I have never picked my employer based on making the world a better place. Okay, so then the next question is, well, what, say more about that. What do you mean by that? Does that mean you want to do nursing? Does that mean you want to be an extraordinary performer that, that brings joy? And, yeah. and I mean, it's not about what I want to do because we want them to make the world a better place because you know what? Here's a little secret. We're handing them a world yep. that's nowhere near yeah, as perfect. good a place yeah. as it was when, when our parents handed it to us yeah no so question. they need to do that yeah but what does that mean does that mean bioengineering does that mean health sciences does you know what does that mean and and they don't think that they want to make the world better place by just being in it yeah they do want yeah. to be productive they, they want to roll up their sleeves they do yeah and what we teach them is to be prepared to do that but it's not about a major really quickly a major is important but they have to have the soft skills because the world is changing you think it's changing fast now wait till artificial intelligence mm. arrives they need to be able to be adaptable flexible critical in terms of their thinking and resilient yeah diane lynch once again i have two hours more worth <laughs> of questions for you but uh anyway great to have the conversation with you uh congratulations on your success at stevens college uh, it's an important part of our community this is fred perry signing off for the ceo roundtable we see you back next weekend this is 93.9 the eagle my city and I love it yeah I love it I was born and raised here I got it made and if I had my way I'm gonna stay